0: It was good. Craig,
1: thank you for uh, joining us today. Azeem, uh, pleasure, my friend. Um, it was so good to host you at Rice when uh, when you came, which seems like years ago. Yo, but it seems like. It was like March, right? Feb- Feb- February, uh, February. February, right, right before-, before COVID.
0: Yeah, it was uh, right after Valentine's Day, around like the 17th or the 18th, I came in for a few days. Yeah. And-
1: Crazy! It's crazy how quickly time has passed. Yeah. Like, but we've we've stayed in touch uh, via via text and thanks for inviting me onto your your pod.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. It is uh, it's it's crazy to think about how long we've known each other. That's the other thing I was thinking about the other day is like having met you after the Boston Marathon in twenty thirteen. I think you'd reached out. Was it via Facebook when you were still doing your PhD? I don't even remember.
1: But yeah, I mean, it was, you had written an article in the Huffington Post and you had mentioned that, um, you know, you had this experience, but you also, you know, talked about your background and stuff. And yeah, and I, it had to be Facebook at the time. Yeah, at Uh, the time, it uh, it definitely had to be Facebook. Facebook, yeah. And then you invited me over and we had like a two and a half hour chat. Yep, with, um, at my apartment in at your apartment. Cambridge at the time. Yeah, I remember because I had trouble parking, as I always have trouble parking in Cambridge. Always. Yeah, man,
0: I mean, just Boston as a whole is just like that. Yeah,
1: all the, all the old cow paths, that's yeah. all they are. Yeah, yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah,
0: I still remember the interview for that book with the textbook that came out for you recently. Yeah. Man, it's been a few years since that textbook came out. Actually.
1: 2017, yeah. yeah. Um, first, um, first book publication, very kind of... Um, as you would imagine a phd gets turned to a book it's um most of them are pretty heavy on like academic Mm -hmm. content and i think the book is like something outrageous it's like 130 dollars yeah it's an expensive expensive book dude um crazy expensive so it's basically bought by universities you know like yeah um there's probably like 200 universities in the u.s probably bought it um but like, it's not something you can buy for you know a, a holiday gift. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not happening.
0: But sure. Yeah, you have a whole section. Yeah, man. I remember uh, in it, it's uh, the one of the questions that I always remember was asking, uh, "What does the American dream mean to you?" And when I my answer had to do with uh, Jay Z is the American dream because you get to see in his career and as you read about him and listen to his music, the the ability to ascend in this country that is possible, that's possible nowhere else and how I'd seen it even with my own parents who are immigrants. And so, yeah, I remember that very vividly and thinking now it's been seven years.
1: Yeah. And it was such a unique answer. Um, I didn't hear it from anyone else that I interviewed. Really? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we would talk about music and stuff, but, um, you know, I think when I was talking with people in the context of American identity, it was very much like, um, you know people talking about like the constitution or something like that like what it means what what does it mean to be an american type thing you know and like you um yeah you seem to have your kind of finger on like a different heartbeat a different pulse like more on like the the um the social mobility side of things like rather than like the law you know
0: yeah definitely the social mobility side i mean for me uh my dad my dad moved here in 78 with literally nothing and you know uh worked every odd job you can think of dunkin donuts working at convenience stores, all that random kind of stuff and when I was born he was he was a cab driver at the time, but my mom didn't want him doing late nights anymore, and so he ended up becoming a manager at Popeye's when I was born right yeah. and so awesome. to, you know uh, I went back to Pakistan in twenty eighteen to uh to go to a friend's wedding and during that time, I got to go back to my dad's village. And I remember walking around being like, "Yo, this place looks like a war-torn village. And to think like, to look at all of the kids there and then just be like, "Yo, there's no difference between you and me. Like these kids who didn't have access to school and had one slipper on and come from nothing. And mm-hmm. looking at them and just being like, the only difference between us is that I won a lottery because my dad left like, and was able to make it and came to um, like, not just America, but came to New York. Uh, And so when I think about it, I know that a lot of people shit on capitalism these days, but I'm very much so a proud beneficiary of capitalism. I think about all four of my grandparents were illiterate. Like I'm, you know, that quote, be your ancestors' wildest dreams. Like, I don't think my ancestors, like even my grandparents, like I don't think they could have ever even envisioned that their grandkids, though they they all passed before I was born. They couldn't have even envisioned like the idea of I have a bachelor's and a master's from a top university in the the United States and the people I've met and the things that I do when they were all illiterate people in
1: villages in Pakistan. So like social mobility- It's your dad's journey, even- yeah it's man. Your dad's journey. I'm sure going back to that village and you're like my dad came from here. Wow. Yo, like that, new newfound respect,
0: you know. Yo, I was walking around like and to me what was crazy was I had to think about it in the context of wait, this is 2018 like they have running water, they have electricity, they had like some of the houses have regular toilets, not the like squatty potties that you see in so many of the like countries around the world. And thinking being like wait, like my dad was here in the 60s like i can't imagine like if it looks like this in 2018 and this is them being like all the houses have wi-fi i mean every everywhere you go like wi-fi has become like one of like i think maslow's hierarchy of need needs to be like readjusted because wi-fi needs to be put on there for sure but like you know they have wi-fi everyone has cell phones but even then i remember like walking around like this place looks like a war-torn village and thinking like My dad made it out of here in like the 60s and 70s really like he was he was doing this hustle like no wonder like he and so for me that social mobility aspect of america and of capitalism and while there is a lot of you know unfairness to the system it's definitely something i appreciate
1: and i think people need to remember too that you know most most americans today had ancestors that came to this country with hardly anything mm-hmm. you know um for me it would be irish and italian yeah but i know through my relationship with my grandmother that they had nothing you know yeah. they 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 had nothing like my, my nana would always do this thing like we would be out at an italian restaurant mm-hmm and you know how they have like packages on the table of like salt and pepper and other yep. things and she used to she used to take these things yeah. from these restaurants because they had nothing you know she was mm-hmm. um she was second generation but you know her parents um actually I have a, I have a picture yeah I keep a picture of it right here, actually. Um, oh shit! This is them in Boston. You know, like Italian. Wow. Um, yeah, bro. Um, what year is that? Like nineteen, probably World War World War One. Maybe, maybe early twenties. Wow. Because they look a bit older, but they came over when they were when they were young. You know, didn't speak any English. Yeah. Um, the the mom. Um, I don't think she worked. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was just doing everything. He was like a peddler, you know, like selling yeah. fruit and and doing um, random kind of labor jobs. Um, and yeah, I mean, and it takes a long, it takes a long time too, for some people, for that social mobility thing to, uh, to really kick in, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, your, your dad, um, he kind of like struck it, you know, probably yes, a, a little bit more so than my uh my Italian uh, side. Cause even my mom, my, my mom grew up like pretty much working class Italian neighborhood in, in Boston, you know? Uh, yeah. you know, no one went to college, you know, like no one. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I mean, it's, that's the story of America, man, you know, but like e- either way, um, I feel like we, we were at a time a lot more open, uh, to immigration than we are now. Like even, even Ronald Reagan for all his warts um, Mm -hmm. was much better on immigration than pretty much every president after him, you know? Um, Yeah. You know, I mean,
0: immigration built this country. I mean, if you look at uh, the fortune 500, I think like close to half or a little bit over half of fortune 500 companies were started by immigrants or children of immigrants. And so it's the bedrock of our country, you
1: know, it is. I mean, and that's, we can't lose sight of that, you know, like this is, um, this is a land that, you know, ideally should be rooted in this idea that, you know, any, anyone can make it here, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But that's the ultimate contradiction with the, the I mean, you had founding fathers that were able to author a brilliant political document, like the declaration of independence. We hold Mm -hmm. these truths to be self-evident. All people are created equal while having slaves, (laughs) while while having slaves, you know? So it's like, we always need to be the better the better part of this kind of larger idea of you know what it means to be an American, and I think it's always kind of troubling when we get down the path of like you know why why do some people just want to divide um, within this realm of you know America like why, why can't we focus on stuff that um, that is a bit more constructive but um
0: you know, I find, that way. I find one of the things, I mean, both of us have benefited greatly from social media. Uh, one of the things, though, that I find that's bad about social media, and I was thinking about this the other day, is that humans are, by nature, very tribal. You know, like, whether wherever you go, like, towns, cities, wh- whether you think about, you know, Ireland, or Italy, or Pakistan, there's communities, there's villages, there's tribes, like, that's a very natural thing for humans to do. The problem with the globalization that the internet has created is that it has minimized the number of tribes that are available. And so if you look at American politics, for instance, there's only two tribes to pick from now. And the problem with not wanting to pick one of those tribes and to be able to live in nuance is that you are a pariah and you are a social outcast then. And for the most part, people don't want to, in just the the general human sense of the term, they don't want to be the pariahs from Whatever that tribe is, it's like being part of the wolf pack, the tribe that 's a really essential thing to not dying of loneliness essentially with regular humans and One of the things that I do really think the internet has done badly is it's created this false precedent of much fewer tribes, and there's a self censorship that goes on where like you you know there's a lot of things on the left that I agree with and there's a lot of things on the right that I agree with. And, you know, there's not really space for that gray. Everyone on the internet, like they just sort of scream louder and they, they pick that side and they dig their heels in further, even at places where it doesn't make sense.
1: And I feel like this polarization um, is, it's so deeply rooted in, in this country. Um, I think it's rooted in even something like the the first settlements in Massachusetts. Like they had such a black white worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was like civilized versus uncivilized Christian versus uh, non Christian. And these kind of categories, these rigid binary options I think has always existed. As you mentioned, social media has made it worse. Um, But yeah, what happens to people who live in the space in between who are like insiders on some occasions, outsiders Mm -hmm. on other occasions. And I think the reason why we see the polarization is people aren't seeing how some of our identity layers um, can kind of overlap into other people's lives. So I'll give like an example. It's like uh, a Christian Muslim come together. Uh, A Christian's like, well, this person's a Muslim, so they're done. I've written a monster, yeah you know like yeah. we've forgotten we've forgotten so many layers of humanity like we are we are fathers we are sons daughters uh colleagues uh professionals like all of these different things like you know we've forgotten a core fact that we are human first mm-hmm. and um we all need to live in nuance i think that's an important point azim like living in living in nuance this kind of uh this gray area where things overlap a little bit you know we can find similarities a little bit easier we can uh, learn about how our various traditions uh, mirror each other that's what we need you know yeah
0: yeah and it it's interesting that like more and more in recent times, we're seeing that polarization get worse. And that's the only thing I've been able to really attribute it to is that before at the very least, there was still different tribes. Now more and more, if you're on the internet, you've picked a tribe, you're Donald Trump or anti Donald Trump. That's it. Like there's no room for, and there's no room for anything else. Anything else is an apologist uh, or, and even within that, then there's infighting amongst that. And so when I look and I it doesn't make me very hopeful to be entirely honest for what the future can hold because the other thing about it in which we saw from the 2016 election and it's something that as someone who I'm just an avid internet user is that I understand how easily manipulatable these kinds of things are. And so to be able to create a trend where there's fake conversations going on to give it enough validity so that real people start talking about it and then because people have been polarized into these tribes, they end up saying the things that agree with one or the other, and it just actually turns into something when it was mm-hmm. actually nothing to begin with and when when it's something that can just literally have some buttons pressed to be able to manipulate the sentiment or the emotion or the feeling of the moment, that's a really scary thing
1: yeah, and and uh, you know I'll give you an example. this happened like two or three days ago. Um, mm-hmm. I live out in the kind of woods of Houston, like outside of the city. Um, And essentially it's like Trump country. Okay. Like there are Trump flags, like with the American flag in in people's homes, you know, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, my neighbor has a Trump flag and naturally, you know, I, you categorize yeah you know, we all we, we all do it we assume um mm-hmm. and you know we have cordial relations like i wave to him and um he waves back and you know pleasantries everything is fine and then the other day when i got out of the car with clara my uh, baby girl congrats he, on that again by the way thank you thank you brother thank you and he was just like like this like big thumbs up and i was mm-hmm. like oh cool like yeah continuing the the neighborly love and then couple days later, he's walking by me, I'm watering my lawn in the morning. And he was like, what, what is she, uh, what is it boy or girl? And I said, girl, and we started talking. And this man whose name I don't even know was t- was basically going on a beautiful, like poetic position on love. And he was like, love is the most powerful human emotion. And you know, mm-hmm. um, things at, at that deep level. And I'm just like, that's legit. And this guy's flying a Trump flag, you know? Um, yeah. so this is what, this is what you were talking about living in nuance and living in that space between, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm an outsider because I do not support Donald Trump and yeah. I don't support the politics that a lot of Trump supporters actually kind of condone. Uh, but I'm an insider in a way because he and I, have a similar affinity for love. You know what I mean? So like, we need to work on addressing our differences, but like we also do need to start finding ways of making connections with people. Um, similarities. This is what I do with my work. I try to do with my work, you know, is just like making people more familiar, uh, to one another, you know, like not writing people off because they hold a given position. Yes. You know, we've talked a lot in our texts about, you know, cancel culture, you know, like you, you, yeah. you do one thing and, and you're done. It. You're No, toast. Redemp- yeah, no redemption. Whatsoever. I mean, it's scary. <laughs> like yeah. No, no redemption. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for, for Christians out there, you know, like she's like this idea of like giving people a second chance redemption Like people are not lost. You know, people can reform. Yeah, there's none of that. Yeah. I mean, what's it's a heartless, uh, it's a heartless world.
0: Like how does a how does a Malcolm X become Malcolm X? If imagine mm-hmm. in in cancel culture world, right? Like if you actually like look back into Malcolm X, like and you, even if it's just simply yeah. reading an autobiography, I mean, like he is a he, he he did everything that cancel culture would completely have destroyed him for, but he also still stands as sort of a symbol for the people who love cancel culture. It's a it's a strange thing, I think. One of the things, and like it's a, I would say, a, a, something that the left wouldn't appreciate—an uh, opinion, an unpopular opinion, let's call it—is that I think that there is a respect level that I have for the right because, regardless of the fact that they are very close-minded at times for things, as all humans are, right? Um, That they're actually very open to admitting that they're close minded. Like, even if it's something like um, their stance on abortion or gay rights, right? Like, Jesus said this, and so I believe this. And they just believe. And it's like the Bible was written thousands of years ago, however it was collected. It's just over time, they're like, based on my interpretation of the Bible, gay rights or abortion, this is where I stand. And I just stand here. Uh, The thing that I find disingenuous about the left is that if you go back 10 or 15 years on where they stood on something like gay rights, it's completely different than where it is now. Completely different. Uh, But they hold this like holier than thou position. And they're just as closed minded as the right. But at the same time, they preach open mindedness. And that's the thing that really confuses me is that i'm like wait no like you're and similar to like what you're talking about let's say with your neighbor is like a lot of the left would look and like they would take those assumptions and they would just run with those assumptions of what does it mean if you say i support trump right and it's just like now everything about that person is just this they wouldn't be able to go to the trump supporter and say where do we have similarities where where are we similar in those ways let's Let's look for that dialogue. It would just be Trump supporter, you are wrong. And the problem is is that you don't see it my way. My way is the correct way. And until you see it my way, you are not enlightened enough. And to me, that's the same level of closed-mindedness. But the problem with that closed-mindedness to me is that it doesn't sit on a solid foundation of anything. The foundation of it changes over time based on popular sentiment of whatever the people of now think. Because if you look at gay rights, if 15 years ago, the left didn't support gay rights, and now they do. And then later they don't or do, there's no foundational place that they sit with their beliefs. And that makes closed-mindedness more strange to me, as opposed to someone who says, look, man, I just believe this shit because 2000 years ago, someone that I respect said it, and I just run with it. And there's it's just easier to understand how you're supposed to have a a dialogue with the person who's like, just very straightforward on those things.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, closed mindedness, this dismissiveness, you know, writing people off, it's really, uh, it's, it's futile. Like I'm trying to think of an example where like, and I'm sure there is one like where like, cancel culture, like worked, like what, what does it do anyways? Like when you just like, when you just write someone off, what, what, what does that do? Like, who's that, who's that serving? Is it just, is it a means for someone who's doing the writing off to, to feel, as you mentioned, uh, like holier than thou. So like the people who are advocating for this, like how, how do they expect things to change? If one, we don't really understand, where people are coming from. And if we've Mm -hmm. never actually spoken to those people, like Mm -hmm. how can things change? I mean, canceling people is just getting rid of a symptom of a problem in a lot of ways. And uh,
0: if anything, what's interesting about even that to me is that a lot of the biggest proponents of cancel culture are also people that want to abolish the prison system and it doesn't make any sense to me that on the one hand you can say we need to abolish the prison system and then on the other hand then be judge jury and executioner at Mm. the same time because one of the quote i read in a book recently is that uh the courts of morality know no procedure and that's really what it is is you know they become judge jury and executioner but the hypocrisy in saying well you know we need to abolish the prison system a lot of the people in prison are cancelable then. And so how does that work? And to me, it's accepting that while the systems that are in place are very flawed, that having a system is necessary and that working at fixing the system is something that we need to do, but just deciding to destroy it all in favor of these like more, I mean, it just seems like a barbarian mob, right? Like, you know, uh, the, the same way that would happen in the time of Jesus, let's say, and they would just hang somebody because, or like the Salem witch trials, she's a witch. P- people have decided she's a witch based on nothing. And then they just hang the
1: woman. It's tough, man. The, you know, it happened to me. And I think I told you about this with the, the Hagia Sophia thing, you know, yeah. like, um, basically saying like I would prefer this structure to remain a museum or open up and become a mosque and a church. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was just destroyed. Um, you know, for the first time, apparently uh, for many people, I said something that um, they don't agree with. And yeah. it was like some of the comments, like I, I saved some comments because like I feel like it's actually really great material to use when talking mm-hmm. and, and, and teaching. But you know, some of them are are like, um, you know, like some of the stuff they were saying was just like radical stuff. Like you, you've always been paid to to say all of these nice things, and like your your true colors are coming out now. Um, you know, everything you've ever done or ever posted is now for naught. Really. Yeah, I mean, just basically, like, yeah, can't, canceling me for for one position, and like, I don't know who people think they are, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and how they think the world operates. Like, do they really expect um, the world to kind of like bend the knee to their to their position, you know? And I think if that is the case, and I and I, I think we're on the same page. Like, a lot of a lot of people do think this way. Mm-hmm. Why? Like why does that happen? Like it's a social phenomena. Like why is there something lacking in people? Is it um I mean, you know, I'm sure there's multiple cases and variables involved, but it just seems so destructive. Uh, I
0: I haven't been able to figure it out at all. Uh it's something that I think that I I don't honestly even know because it's something I look at online every single day uh and I just think one of the other things about it is like, uh, it seems like anger is something that like people really strive for on the. Yeah.
1: Internet. Yeah. It's like, like anger is like, like justified. Like anger yeah. is, a, is a good thing now. Yeah. You know? Like they're and like,
0: they're, they're looking for the anger. Like yeah. Where can and you like, find the
1: anger. Yeah. And it's like, it's like now like cool to wear your anger like on your, on your sleeve almost. And like, yes. I don't know. Like that's, that just seems, um, that just doesn't seem good, not only for, for society, but for people. Like I've, I've seen students do this, you know? Um, And it's just like this, this um, this something's gotten a hold of them. And it's almost like, it's like, it's a very gloomy uh, position and it's a very gloomy existence. It's Mm -hmm. like every, every position that they take, like has to have this kind of like edge, like this, 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 nastiness is not the word but a a it's a, a, almost like hostile you know um and there is righteous anger you know what i mean like yeah. i think malcolm x had righteous anger i think uh martin luther king had righteous anger but mm-hmm. but i i suppose the way that they channeled it was constructed more constructive whereas now yeah. it's like the anger is just like you know screw you um I'm blocking you.
0: See you later. You know? I think part of it has to do with the fact that I was reading an article the other day. I don't know if I sent that one to you. I don't think I did, but it said that basically we are the first downward mobile, uh, generation in the United States history. Just, uh, just essentially that we're going to do on whole worse than our parents did. And, and, you know, looking at, you know, people not being able to get married, uh, more people living at home with their parents than ever before, not being able to buy homes, not being able to do a lot of Even the things. Kids, that, like yeah, have kids. Like, yeah. The, the, yeah, the rights of adulthood have not been given to so many people mm. of of the millennial and then the Zoomer generation and there's a lot of anger there from, and this is what, I, and I, I did like how they approached it, which was, you know, we did everything we were told we were supposed to do. And now we ended up in mountains of student loan debt with the inability to get a job, housing prices being crazy. Even if you get a job, not making living wages a lot of the times, or being able to barely make living wages. And there's a lot of anger and just, it's like turned into also a a sense of nihilism and just Mm -hmm. fatalism that it's, you know, where can this go? What can it be? And it's, you know, anger that they're feeling and anything that they find on the internet. uh, uh, And they didn't make this connection, but potentially it's that when they find that thing, it's just a way to outlet and project that anger out to just get it out of them because they don't know what
1: else to do with it. And it's sad, you know, like, I don't want to see people struggling. Mm -hmm. I I really, I really don't like it, it, like people who are miserable and struggling and facing serious obstacles is not, is not good for anyone. And it brings all of, it it could potentially bring all of society down. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And I think the, there's a lack of empathy here, but like, I think we're also getting into a new territory of like the, the system Mm-hmm. Is also not working for people. Like I think we were just kind of operating at like a micro sociology kind of like cancel culture happening online level. But then the righteous anger does come up, and you mentioned this about the the un, the unfairness of the system. You know, yeah. and the system is actually broken, and it's not working. Yeah, and it's not working for a lot of people too. And I and I I, I wish uh, some populations. Uh, in this country, you know, could see the nuance a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. as well, and I'm not gonna start like naming naming names, but like if I drove like twenty minutes in any direction from where I live right now, and like I see the level of of poverty, yeah. uh, among mostly white people mm-hmm. you know, like I think we all need to understand that somehow like the the nuance is there, my experience may be like another person's experience who shares no identity categories with me at all. Yeah. So there's like, there's hardly any solidarity. Um, I mean, there is, but I wonder how deep it is and how artificial it is. I don't know. I I always
0: find, uh, the problem is, is that I think I'm more of a proponent of one of those people who thinks, you know, 95% of people are meant to be led and then there's the 5% that are leaders and the problem with that these days especially is that the five percent that are leaders are more corrupt than ever and are more about you know for themselves than ever i mean we're going into full-on oligarchy here we call it a democracy but you know there's a there's the people who are at the top levels of the government that are the because we live in feudal society right essentially uh the the people in the government are like the kings and the the Zuckerbergs and the the tech CEOs of the world are are the the ones right below them. Those are the the war chest owners that you know you need to go to to get everything done. I saw the other day one of the ex heads of the NSA, I believe, joined Amazon. I mean, because Amazon has huge government contracts, right? Uh, and so you know those they work well in line with each other i mean all the, crit- the critiques of facebook of late of how them and the government are sort of in cahoots and how they're profiting from so you know it's they're so closely tied together and i think it's interesting that we talk about living in this like democratic society when i, I find us still living in feudal times we've just changed the names it's not knights and nobles and lords anymore and we've just changed them to you know the robber barons of today
1: you think people have just no hope in in the system, um and changing the system? Um, or the system being changed? Because I often tell students it's kind of corny and stuff. I'm like, but like if you don't like the system, you need to do something to, to change it. Something constructive and active. Like not this like I'm 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 just gonna vote for Biden or I'm gonna do this <laughs> or like, you know, yeah. I'm gonna Yeah, I'm gonna use my civic duty. I'm like, you know like use your agency use the resources that you have everyone is privileged in some way um kind of controversial point i said that the other day in class and students were pushing back on that but um i i I fully believe yeah i mean maybe a remedy to this kind of broken system you know i
0: I mean i think like uh, things can't change unless people have hope and i think that's one of the tough things right like you need hope and there's very fleeting hope and it's it's very few and far between finding that hope anywhere you look these days.
1: I mean, where does that happen? You know? Cause like, I know like people who may be overly religious would, would kind of look to these things as like a spiritual crisis and like, you know, mm-hmm. human being lost touched uh, to their creator and like all that stuff. But like, certainly that's not the, the, the factor. It's not the only mm-hmm. factor um, if it's a factor at all. Yeah, but like, what what is the loss of, um, you know, if we are assuming that there is this loss of hope, like, where, why, how did that how did that happen? I mean, because like post World War II in this country, it seemed to be a bit more hopeful.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's where um, the,
1: the thriving of the
0: middle class came from. But just in the past twenty, thirty, even forty years, dating back to the seventies, it's just been more and more of that divide when it becomes between the rich and the poor, eliminating the middle class, you know, squeezing, squeezing the the poor down more and more and more. I
1: mean, so you know, do you think we, did we like, when I say we, like, let's, let's assume it's like, you know, middle, middle class, you know, like what America should be. Yes. Like, did we let the oligarchy take over? No. Or, th- you know, like how, like, are we, uh, did we drop our guard? You know, like uh, are we I, I, are we partly to blame? I, I think
0: know. I'm someone who's very big on accountability at all times. I think mm-hmm. uh, we absolutely are. But I think one of the things that America's done extremely well as a country is, uh, you know, they have C-SPAN running for you at all times, but they also have uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians running too. And not anymore. Not yeah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's ending after yeah. this season. Uh, I've never actually seen a single episode of that show. I, yeah. I
1: think it, I've, I've got, I've got glimpses, um, but yeah, I mean, that's,
0: I think that's one of like,
1: what are people like aiming for? Like what are, what are people hoping to be, you know? I think like
0: every everyone, everyone these days, if you look at it just wants to be famous for famous's sake. And uh, before people aspired to be young kids aspired to be doctors and lawyers and politicians and all these things and i think more and more people are just aspiring to be tiktok famous uh yeah you know and i think that's one of the things that's uh that's causing
1: it uh, but social media influence is, is big and so, so i also think like going back to like you know other technological advances like um i i feel like the the invention of um like the camera i know that sounds kind of <laughs> silly but like even the production of, of movies and like the elevation of movie stars. Um, to, oh yeah. You know, and like, oh, yeah. and Stuff like that. Um, yeah. It, it's like, when did this, when did this um, obsession with like the self and, and potential fame, like, is it as old as time? Is it human nature? Or is this like a, a recent phenomena it's just, um, and, and, and does it come out of America? Because a part of me thinks like it definitely did.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, the biggest- I guess Rome had it maybe. The, the biggest actually. export of America is our culture. Like yeah, by far, exactly. By far, right? Yeah. Uh, I would say that it's it's just become a lot more easier to become a narcissist today. the, the and, and the narcissists are the ones that are the most lauded, right? And so like you look up to them, you want to be like them, you want like the, that's what you aspire to. And also I think one of the other reasons that, it would be difficult or that I see it difficult for the younger generation is that because of all these things, they've also become very much so proponents of instant gratification. So they want change, but they want change now. Uh, And things that, you know, have taken hundreds of years or thousands of years to take course, all of written history to take course. uh, Now it's, you know, well, now that we've written a few op-eds and there's been, you know, you know, more noise about this. Why isn't it fixed yet? And not, that. and and that's one of the things is that like not understanding that things are a process.
1: Mm-hmm. Instant gratification, like this idea, uh, it's almost like totalitarian where, where people are trying to get other people to, to bend the knee. You know, we want social change. We want it right now. And yeah. like when, when I mean right now, like they mean it, you know, yeah. like they mean it and yeah. it's, it's like, okay. Um, this goes back to the nuance. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. these, these things are, you know, anything that requires significant social change, like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't just come happen. out of nowhere. No, you know it doesn't I mean? just happen. It, it doesn't, it, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's more complicated. It's more fluid, but here we are. Um, we have people across the political spectrum, basically, being unable to see eye to eye to, to, to negotiate, mm-hmm. you know, like what happened to our Congress uh, in terms of like bipartisan negotiations? Like I was talking to a friend yesterday and I was like um, we were talking politics and I said, you know, like uh, both parties are problematic for extremely, me. Um, extremely. Extremely. For, yeah. For, 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 for various reasons. And I was just like, you know what? Like if I had one, uh, wish Mm -hmm. to occur in Congress is to start having relationships that Teddy Kennedy had with John McCain. Obviously, both of these men, both of these men have uh, skeletons in their closet.
0: As does everybody. Everyone, right?
1: everybody. Of course, of course. And um, I feel like I had to, I had to say that because how does Craig support (laughs) John McCain? Or like, you know, um, but like what, they made it their kind of, uh, connection to bring people within their parties into a fold where they could create bipartisan legislation. And I'm sure it happens, you know, but like I'm 35, I've never seen the, this level of bipartisanship, uh, part excuse me, partisanship, partisanship, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, brain fart there. Um, but like what, what happened, you know, like what happened to po- like, it's not even politics anymore. Like politics is kind of give and take. This, and like, this sometimes is professional you-
0: re- this is professional wrestling. This
1: isn't, yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, like it's, it's completely predictable. Um, You know, exactly how the Senate is going to vote uh, because it's up and down the, 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 the party line. It's not good. You know, it's the nuance. Like there's, there's no, there's no um, desire to operate in the gray space in the no, there is, middle of that Venn diagram where things become a little bit blurry and messy. And it's like, well, you know, uh, I'm neither this or that, yeah. um, you know, and, and if I, or either one of us was like, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. They would somehow maybe, you know, which,
0: which like, and, and for myself personally, like I, I dislike both parties I like, they, I, mean, they, I don't like
1: categories. Anyway, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like,
0: like exactly. It's like, a, I, like a, I, like, uh, Do I think Trump needs to be voted out? Absolutely. Uh, Do I think Biden and Kamala Harris are the best things that the Democrats should have been able to put together since, you know, they've had all of this time and energy? Uh, Like, no, absolutely not. Am I still going to vote for them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that's even just understanding the... The nuance the compromise, the fact that like it can 't be perfect, uh, a lot of the Bernie bros that are still on there that need to tear down Biden and Kamala Harris, and it's like do you want Trump to win again like you know like yes, like I, I agree Biden and Harris are not exactly what we want but yeah. uh, but but Trump isn 't it either
1: I mean I wonder if a lot of this has to do with the breakdown of like civics I mean my dad talks about this all the time, like civics being like this is how our government like operates, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is how change can be enacted. Yeah. And I think people are, are are unfair to President Obama, especially people on the left who feel like he didn't go oh, far yeah. enough. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. well we'll listen. Okay. First first African American president mm-hmm. um did not have great numbers for a good chunk of his administration in the House or the Senate. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you can't like you can't just Snap your finger, yeah. You can't just and do get it. something to change. I mean, this is yeah. It's it's a democracy. I mean, we're a country that's supposed to be one that is ruled by law. I mean, yeah. politics is a is a is a messy game, and like maybe some of these people on both sides of the spectrum looking for immediate change don't understand how the system works. They, they don't, don't understand the process. I don't think they know? want to either. You know, well then the, then there's apathy, which is um, you know probably the biggest beast of them all yeah you know people just not given a given a crap unfortunately yeah. um and that is you know how do you convince how do you convince people to care you know it's it's I don't, it's hard
0: i don't know i mean i i've been i've been part of discussions for getting people getting young people in particular out to vote um and funny enough, it goes back to getting uh, all of the most famous celebrities for those age groups talking to you about voting is what I've seen is basically the sentiment from organizations started by some of the richest people in the country is just hey let's uh, let's get so and so TikToker to tell you to register to vote because I, I I think that everyone not everyone but a majority of people have gotten apathetic and. Don't like you know, don't don't know what to do and don't care what to do and don't see hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, are we lacking like leadership within our communities? Are we are we lacking like role models who um, are role models in the sense that they teach us how um, to live, you know, to 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 successfully operate into society rather than looking to role models who provide us inspiration because they can dunk or they're nasty at making beats or whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, you know, like what, what, what explains it? You know, like why, why are people uh, feeling like there's, there's a, there are significant barriers in front of them. I mean, where are, maybe it's a lack of leadership. I don't know.
0: For, for me, one of the things that helps me, and I can't speak to everyone else, is personal faith and spirituality. Uh, to me, it's 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 a it's a really 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 important part of my life in being able to give me hope yeah. in those places. And as a whole, I mean, you know, this,
1: and I, I wanted to I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: As, like, would you say the same thing for you? Because statistics show that like as a whole, people are are, are very much so less religious in recent years than they used to be for me faith faith helps a lot in in like just having this uh like it just helps a lot and i and most people don't have faith like so what did they turn to they turn to money they turn to celebrity they turn to fame they you know and so i mean this is something we spoke about briefly but i think one of the scary things and uh and what's it, David Foster Wallace said this in his essay about uh, this is water. I wouldn't be able to, to quote it exactly, but he essentially said that you know if you don't end up picking one of the, the, the old tried and true faiths, that you're going to end up picking one anyway. If you pick beauty, he said something along the lines of you're going to die a thousand deaths before you actually die. If you pick intelligence, you're always going to feel like a dumb person. If you pick money, there's always going to be someone who has more than you. And I think as a whole, as people have lost sight of the fact that they need to believe in something bigger than themselves and whatever that is, right? Like, it's just they end up finding it anyway. And the places that they're finding it are ones that aren't going to lead them anywhere good, which I know is a a controversial topic.
1: Yeah, no, it is, um, you know, anything religion these days, uh, especially in some circles, you know, it's oh, yeah. like taboo. Uh, yes. it's, it's controversial. <laughs> I literally wrote down though, like being, being part of something bigger than our, ourselves and our world, you know, I find inspiration in that, you know, yeah. like I'm uh, trying to practice humbleness um, and really questioning, you know, like something as outlandish as like, why am I here? what what is happening um (laughs) is there a bigger plot for me is my creator whatever it is like Mm -hmm. is is there some type of um of path of or 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 destiny that um it's a higher calling really Mm -hmm. and i think i think when when individuals start seeing themselves in like this kind of unique way, you know, like you yeah. have a relationship with the, your creator, however you want to define it. And like, you know, there are things inside of you that make you tick, you know, like your, your, your inner voice and your, and your passions and your love and all of these things, you know, like maybe things would be better if people realized like how precious that was mm-hmm. and how how unique, how unique that is and how it comes really from a a very mysterious source Um, one thing that i wanted to bring up too is and it's related to this subject um hamza yusuf who you may know he's a um he's the president of zaytuna college out in berkeley okay and i spent a couple of days with him and he's a very um well-known scholar and i forget what we were talking about but He said something that I'll never forget and it's just such an easy concept to digest. And he said, you know, there are two ways of thinking about um, who you are in this world. Mm -hmm. The first is horizontal thinking. Horizontal thinking means everything that happens, you know, on the ground, on this earth, whether it's uh, conversations you have, perceptions that people have of you, uh, so on and so forth. Um, You know, we could also have... Vertical thinking. Okay. Vertical thinking is us having a a supreme judge, mm-hmm. uh, a higher calling, you know, okay. and like that that relationship with that higher calling is is what guides people, what yeah. drives people. So we're not so much concerned with the horizontal us. You know, we're we're more confident than that. We're bigger than that. We're more special. We're more unique. And I feel like we need people need to tap into these things, you know, and, and stop focusing on so much on, you know, the clicks and the latest trends. You know, mm-hmm. be original for, for God's sake.
0: And it, it's funny because uh originality comes with uh being a follower uh these days. And and I think it it, it to me, when I when I really think about it and it's like I'm not Advocating everyone needs to become a Muslim or Christian or anything, honestly, it's just like have something bigger than you that you believe in that can help give you hope when you wake up in the morning and give you some sort of drive mm-hmm. because if you don't ha- if I didn't have that at the at the least I, it like I wouldn't understand how not to see the world through a very cynical and nihilistic point of view
1: and it's like you know, the the age old saying, whether you believe it or not, isn't really important. But like, you you only live once. Mm-hmm. You know, Um our time here on Earth is is precious, and it's not guaranteed, and it is indeed limited. And you know, you have some people who go through their life just through the motions. They have all these plans, and they they never. It's not that they don't achieve them. That's too harsh. It's that they never seek them. They never seek yeah. out
0: yeah. the, the never lived
1: experience of this. And like, that's a shame, you know? Yeah. Like every single, I'm a, I'm a believer that every single human being on this earth has a skill and a talent. 100%. And if we can just tap into those things, I think the world would be happier, more peaceful, more constructive, but... Mm-hmm. Why don't people, you know, have faith in that uniqueness and that attachment? Is it because there aren't enough good teachers to to guide people? I would to... say so.
0: I would say so. I I, I definitely I think uh it, it definitely doesn't help that the people who PR wise, right? Just like media representation wise, the people that like for speaking for us, let's say for Christianity for an, and for Islam, like the people that are portrayed in the media that are the most well-known do not have uh, very, very good track records for some time now. And I think people have become disillusioned with the fact that if the leaders that are supposed to be, you know, having this morality and this righteousness for us are are these, you know, every terrible thing that leaders of Islam and Christianity have been accused of and have been part of in the past 20, 25, 30 years, Right. I think that's made them so disillusioned with it and all of the corruptions and the scandals. And it sucks because to me, that shows more of the fact that humans at their core are the ones that are flawed and not the fact that the the spiritual practices are flawed, but people conflate the two and end up saying, well, I don't like Islam anymore because of what these Islamic leaders did. Um, but to me, Islam has always been about a spiritual connection to god to a higher power to allah to whatever in that same in that sense it hasn't been about uh my allegiance to an imam and i think that's one of the things that's made a lot of people very disillusioned and that conflation has made it more difficult for them to find that
1: path and i think you know pointing the finger at the youth and saying, you know, oh, well, you've, you've given up your faith, you know, like mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do this. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not that simple, you nope. know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, going back to what is religion, um, you can look at religion as, as really a, a, a product, right? I mean, it's, um, like holy books are, are books written, yeah. you know, arguably by by people. Um, And, and you need to, you need to sell these things. Um, Extremist groups do it. Unfortunately Um, they, they sell their product to get people to adopt their ideology. But I suppose all this happens across the spectrum in terms of pitching uh, ideologies. But if youth are leaving their place of worship, um, one of the, sources that I would kind of point to and say, how did you let this happen? Are the, the priests, the imams, the 100%, leadership. I mean, 100%. I, I consider myself, um, in many ways to be unchurched, you know, like mm-hmm. I, as someone who identifies with cath uh, with the Catholic tradition, you know, I can't really ever say in my life that there's been a community that I feel like completely whole with. And I, you know, maybe a lot of people don't ever have that experience. I mean, it might be too much to ask to say, oh, this, this place is perfect. But I mean, there are some fundamental issues that I have with the, um, Mm -hmm. with the Catholic church, Mm -hmm. you know, and And, and same with Islam and same with Islamic leaders, you know? Yeah. And, and most of it has to do with, um, social issues, you know, like, yeah, it is social issues. um, like the church's position on like same-sex marriage i'm like man like this is what we're we're, this is we're still what we're, we're denying yeah i mean we're yeah, denying like, like what harm what harm does I, it I, do i don't you? get it i don't you get know? it you know like yeah and it's stuff like that i mean and you know, I suppose I could use my own power and somehow like get into the church and try to make a difference and, and do it. Well, I can't now because I'm, I'm married, but, um, <laughs> Which you is know, another like
0: one of the things that I'm always, cause I went to Catholic school from pre-k to eight. silly grade, and it's it was just it's like, absolutely why, silly. Why? why like, you, you know, married.
1: and like they, yeah. And they wonder why no one's going to mass. They wonder yeah. why people aren't having their babies baptized. It's because people aren't connecting with it anymore. Yeah, I mean, and this is where we get back to like a business model. Like, if your food sucks, no one's going to come to your restaurant.
0: And and straight these, up, these religions are businesses. I mean, the Vatican is the second or hundred oh, percent. I think they're the second or third largest landowners in the world. I think it's something like that, right? So it's like they're a business. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. And they're and they're a tax exempt business too, <laughs> you know. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they are. They are definitely on the top five list of largest landowners on the planet. Uh, and so, you know, it is a business at the end of the day and you're, and it is a product that they're trying to sell and, you know, being able to, to just see it from that lens is that they just, it just hasn't been good leadership for, for selling these products for the past 30 years or whatever you'd say.
1: And the thing is like, you know, conservatives who happen to be Catholic will say, well, listen, like, like, you know, there's the word of God and like these things, some things can just never change. Some things are non-negotiable, but if you look at the history of the church itself, Mm -hmm. it's always been fluid. Yeah. I mean, especially in terms of big picture things like this idea that the church has always, or any religion, any religious institution has been the same from the time it started up until the present day. That's just a nonsensical uh, observation, you know? So like, yeah, I mean, we 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 need to kind of reimagine. Uh, and when I say we, I suppose I'm talking about Catholics, but as you mentioned, Muslims are kind of dealing with something similar as well with this kind of disconnect. Like we have to reimagine our traditions. Um, mm-hmm. It's part of what I do. Like even in my own research, you know, like looking at the example, like some of the stories that we have of like uh, Muhammad, the Prophet, and you know how relevant they are to some of the stuff that is going down uh, today, you know, kind of reimagining his life in light of modern principles. I think mm-hmm. that's healthy. I think we need to do that. And we don't, yeah. we don't lose any of our religious integrity in doing so. I mean, this is part of human will. Like we have, we have intellect. We're supposed to, God gave us intellect to make sense of the times mm-hmm. to make things better. But some people just don't like that.
0: Like I said, Ben, I I went to Catholic school growing up, uh, pre-K to eighth grade. I grew up in a rough neighborhood in Jersey City, and so my parents sent me to Catholic school. As a Muslim kid, I went to Mass every first Friday of the month. People would, I remember when uh, it was third grade, I think when uh, Communion started. Uh, like you know, uh, all of those things. Like I I I was part of that, and my parents who were very devout Muslims and you know immigrants from Pakistan who very strongly believe in Islam still sent me to Catholic school knowing that that was okay. Like I'm, I'm a Muslim who's read the Bible cover to cover. And, and then I'd go home and my mom would teach me how to read the Quran. And it's funny because I think a lot of people would look at that as strange. Whereas for me, I think it helped me a lot in in so much. Yeah. It was an asset to be able to have those multiple world views that I was able to look at through the lens of, of how I wanted to see things because I was studying it in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, most people prefer to keep that again, closed mindedness to come back to what we've been speaking about.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, the nuance, um, this idea of, you know, diversity or having diverse lived experiences, stepping outside of your comfort zone can actually be turned into an asset. Mm -hmm. Um, you also mentioned, you know, kind of being in in between, you know, yeah. like you're you're, you're kind of in between these identity constructs where things are a lot more fluid. And it, it brought me to a point that I've uh, been developing in my own research on Muhammad's life, but the concept of the cross-cultural navigator, you know, mm-hmm. having the the literacy, the wherewithal, the skills, the know-how to kind of weave in and out of all of these different environments and social scenarios yeah you know like that that's an asset in the world today and like people don't view it as an asset i think because of fear they they're what are they concerned about i i really you know people who who deliberately live in isolation and they're like i don't need to learn about this religion i don't need to interact with these people to me it's
0: weird because i find that they uh they more often than not would say because of my faith uh, and to me what's interesting is that it seems that they're afraid that their faith isn't strong enough to withstand those bridges and to me it's interesting because it's you know i'm very comfortable in those positions you know like i, I don't drink I, but i can be around people who drink that doesn't bother me it doesn't bother me that people as a whole do drink i mean Being someone who studied science, I think like drinking poison is bad for you. Um, But like, you know, like in moderation, like it's not going to destroy anybody. And if anyone wants to drink, sure. Being around alcohol doesn't make me feel like I need it now because other people have it. And that's just like a smaller microcosm of the larger idea that I'm very comfortable in who i am and how i feel and what my beliefs are and so i'm not shaken by walking into other places if anything i'm further strengthened and i think that people actually uh, have this front or facade of strength in their faith when it's really a weakness in it
1: yep i agree and i wrote down here like having having thick skin yeah um you know i often tell um students and i think we even talked about this when you when you came to class it's like you know you gotta let things kind of go in one ear and out the other and it's not saying that you have to dismiss it or you can't take action um against whatever an issue might be but like at the end of the day it doesn't matter you know yeah. these, these these uh petty rivalries and these squabbles and living up to the joneses and you know all of this stuff it really it really it doesn't matter but yeah. like but people think it matters. And maybe this is fueled by social media or or whatever it might be. But yeah, just kind of, I'm hoping that human beings in the coming years will just be more driven and like more aware of their uniqueness and more aware of their ability to follow their dreams, to achieve their dreams and to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe it, maybe it does just boil. Maybe it is that, that easy, you know, just, I'd say so in, I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. I, in,
0: in, in wrapping up this, what would you say would be your prescription to some of the things that, that, you know, I, I
1: think, I think um if I could give prescriptions, I think I would, I would uh, be better off, but I would say this, Um you know, I think, There is a, I believe in destiny and I believe that we all have that kind of inner voice inside of us that kind of is, is so unique and it's, it's who we are. And this voice alerts us to things that we are passionate about things Mm -hmm. that we, um, you know, something happens inside the heart and the mind where, you know, it's a source of, of energy of excitement. Yeah. Um, finding things that um, individuals might actually like genuinely love, you know, and having the ability to, to harness uh, these things. Um, I think it's, it's completely uh, it's necessary. It's invaluable, you know, finding that uniqueness. If I could, if I could say that. Um, it's finding what makes you tick
0: and, and learning to hear that and hone it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I think, I think that's what it is. And, but with that said too, it's not that simple, you know? Um, And we, we've talked about larger societal issues and and structural barriers. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone has equal access to to these resources, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it goes back to leadership too, yeah. but is it whether we need to teach people to be leaders or do we need to teach people how to find good leaders like the youth? You know, So if you have this passion, you have this interest, you have this love, mm-hmm. um, we can't as individuals who hold these feelings like assume that someone's going to find us to yeah. help us and to guide us. You know, that's not how the world works. Like we, maybe we need to focus on finding role models that can help us guide, that can guide us on this journey of love and passion and and interest that we have. I agree with you. I think, I think that would be, you know, kind of like what, uh, Plato and, uh, Plato and and Socrates had, you know, like, um, Kind of like not like a guru. That's not the right word. But you you see what I'm saying, right? Like I was lucky. I was lucky to have you know Professor Akbar Ahmed at AU, Mm -hmm. and like I don't know what I would what I would be if you know the higher powers of the of the universe didn't put me in touch with him. Like I don't I don't know what I would do. And he's a guiding force. He, He he tapped into that thing that was buried in me, which is just this. It's it's a passion for making the world a better place, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, I couldn't do that alone. No, it's, it's complicated. I mean, the, the prescription, the remedy, it's, you know, we could, we could spend two hours talking about that. Very true. Very true. But
0: I think, I think you still touch on some interesting points for it. There's no easy way to give a blanket prescription, but those are some, some good places to start with. I think, for myself, it, it would be something along those lines. Uh, I'm very much so about finding ways to find accountability, uh, even in places where it doesn't feel like you should and it's unfair to take that accountability. Uh, life has just taught me, at least from my personal experiences, that uh, always make it your own fault, have an internal locus of control, find out what you could have changed, find out what mm-hmm. you can change in the future. And then just go along those lines because uh, you'll you'll never really change anything by uh, by by using the external locuses of control and saying, well, it's because that person didn't tell me. Well, it's because that person didn't do this for me. Well, it's because they misled me. Uh, and none of those things will lead you to anything. All of the people that I look up to and aspire to be like are ones that had. Internal locuses of control and, and found themselves to be the ones that they had to rely on in those ways. And so uh, it, it's similar to what you're saying is learn to find yeah. those right people. You know, yeah. This was dope, dude. I, I mean, I, 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 we definitely got to take charge, do this.
1: man. Take in charge of your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was cool. We, we have to do this again. And next time we'll actually talk about your book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, man. I mean, I think what we just talked about. I mean, there's, I actually have notes here, like three pages of notes. Um, Oh, dope. Yeah. And it's, and it's, um, we covered a lot of territory. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And I think a lot of the stuff we've just covered, um, we had been previously talking about in our, in our texts and all these different articles um, we sent. but yeah, it's, it's a, you know, I often say things like this, like for me, how I conceptualize religion, like this is an this is a religious experience in a way, you know, like trying to find answers to really complicated scenarios, social yeah. issues, trying to find out our meaning in life, trying to tap into our best selves. I mm-hmm. mean, these are really uh, deep things. And um it's good to know that there are kindred spirits out there, you know, because I feel like on a lot of this stuff, like it is very kind path. of, you know, yeah, it's a lonely path, but it's, it's very, um, like I find it empowering, you know, yeah. you know like I, I, like to see other individuals who, um, you know, take the bull by the horn and like mm-hmm. they, they work, they work the deal uh, yeah. They don't make excuses. Yeah, exactly. Rega- regardless, you know, like regardless of how crappy your situation is. Exactly. Just move forward, you know? Exactly. So I appreciate it, brother.
0: Yeah, man, this was awesome. Definitely gotta, definitely gotta do this again.
1: Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. You know where to find me, bro.
0: Yeah, man. All right. Yo. Um, I will speak to you soon. Take care. You too, bro. Take All care. Right, man.